Welcome to the Automation Unplugged podcast, the podcast for technology professionals featuring leading industry personalities. I'm your host, Ron Callis. show features Dustin Kearns, branch manager in Colorado Springs for Listen Up. Dustin has over 20 years of experience in the audio video industry. He got his start working for his uncle's AV business in Northwest Arkansas, where he learned the foundation of his knowledge and passion for the industry. Since then, he's gone from working as a technician to project management, then into sales, and then into executive leadership. He currently manages the Colorado Springs branch for Listen Up, a company with an amazing 50-year legacy. We live streamed this interview on social media on Wednesday, June 1st at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. During our time together, we discussed the history of Listen Up and the different events that marked their company's journey, his own personal journey in the AV industry and the different influences he's met along the way, and the current state of the industry as we face supply chain and staffing issues. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do as well. Let's tune into this interview with Dustin Kearns. Dustin, there you are, sir. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Thank you. Awesome. So where are you coming to us from? Uh, we are in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's beautiful awesome. here. Uh, it's uh, a little bit chilly today, but uh, but otherwise, it's fantastic. Are, are you in the office or you're at home? Mm-hmm. I see some smoke over your shoulder. Is everything yeah. okay? Oh, yes. Yes. Just a small fire in the background. No. <laughs> uh, a lot of plants. Yeah, I'm here at home. I have a small jungle in the house, um, and uh, it's it's a minor obsession. Just very minor. Uh, but, uh, but I love it. And I, I try to have as many plants around the house as I can. So we've got like 35 or 40. My wife is extremely tolerant of, uh, of my plant habit. I love So that's a humidifier. That is not smoke over your shoulder. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I have lights for the plants too, that are special, like day spectrum lights for everything. So it's kind of gives everything like a pink hue. Uh, but uh, but they like it a lot. Having tropical plants and keeping them healthy in Colorado is not the easiest task. Man, Colorado air, I, being a Florida person and living most of the year at or near 100% humidity, it is always a challenge. I mean, I, I love visiting Colorado. It's a beautiful state. Uh, but the dry air gets me every time. It is, uh, I mean, I'm talking bad, nosebleeds and everything. It's it's crazy if if your body is tuned to having a lot of humidity to have all that humidity pulled away it's it actually can be tough oh, it took me a long time to get used to it and i still have water like i drink probably six or seven of these a day at least uh just to keep from being dried out uh, but you get used to it after a while so we have joshua james uh posted he says uh, what's your newest plant baby mm. Boy, that's a tough one. What's the latest one I bought? Uh, that would probably be my Pilea. Uh, it's a money, it's a coin plant is what they call it. Mm. And uh, very neat little plants. So, Got it. I love it. Is your special, if you're taking some time on the weekend, are you heading to the plant store or to the nursery? 
Uh, well, you know, since I moved here, I've been propagating a lot of the plants that I already had um, because they got a lot bigger than I thought they would. Um, as you can see, that one in the back, he's like eight feet tall, probably. And he just, that leaf is brand new that he just put out. Um, oh, so cool. he's just, they're still growing like crazy. That is special. All right. So, so listen up. You, uh, how long have you been out there in Colorado as the branch manager? Because I, I know you have a background. I know uh, just recently I had John Campbell on from Hometronics, and he was like, Ron, you got to have Dustin on the show. So here you are. So uh, if it goes well, it's John's fault. If it goes bad, it's John's fault. Uh, no matter what, it's John's fault. Um, but tell us about Listen Up. Listen Up has a storied history. Yeah, absolutely. A 50-year-old company um, and uh, founded by three really remarkable uh, individuals, Walt and Mary Kay Stinson, uh, and then Steve Weiner, their partner, uh, founded Listen Up 50 years ago. And um, just a really amazing set of people. One of the things that uh, really drew me to Listen Up was, you know, the fact that they did have such a cool history and all the things that they had done. I mean, they started... Um, you know, just like many of us did, you know, with just a single place and, you know, just trying to sell stuff and being in AV, people that loved AV. And uh, then, you know, have went on from there to to do some pretty amazing things. You were you were educating me before we went live that Walt was. Remember one, Walt and uh, and or uh, members of the team. Walt and Steve brought originally, they brought the CD player to the United States. Like that almost sounds too big to be yeah. true. Is, is they, that they were some of the very first people to start selling the CD player in America, brought it back from Japan. And in 1986, I believe sold more CD players than anyone else in the world. Uh, and uh, just really amazing and helped really kind of bring the CD player to what we know, it, you know, as it, as it is today. Um, really super cool. Walt uh, in in uh, is actually from Arkansas, and that's part of the reason that uh, you know I, I, one of the things that I think it just kind of makes me feel at home uh, here at Listen Up is uh, the fact that he was born in the same town that I was and had spent a lot of time growing up with Paul Klipsch and and ended up actually Klipsch being the very first brand that we ever carried. Walt said before we even had a store uh, to sell it in that uh, him and Paul had decided that we were going to carry that brand. And we still have, you walk into the store today, one of the first pairs of speakers you'll see is the reference flagships uh, from Clips right as you walk in the door. Oh, wow. Well, that is uh, nothing short of uh, an awesome background and, and history for Listen Up. But let's, let's have everyone learn more about your history. What, uh, where'd you come from? How'd you, you know, tell us from, as far back as you feel comfortable, you can start at the sixth grade or you could start at high school. You could start at, you know, your first job. How did, what was your origin story that landed you here at Listen Up? Yeah, so I was working uh, for a landscaping company in the Northwest Arkansas area. And I had just moved up there recently to live uh, with one of my cousins who had uh, just graduated from college and gotten a place of her own. And so we went up there and I started shoveling rock every day uh, and working out in the 100 degree weather in Arkansas 
and uh, I was having a beer with my uncle one day and he said, you know, if you're willing to work that hard, uh, you should come work for me and I'll show you a trade. And he owned a company uh, called Custom Home and Commercial Electronics and he brought me in at $7.50 an hour to make alarm screens inside of his warehouse with no air conditioning in the middle of the summer. That sounds uh, mostly miserable. It was miserable. It was one of those moments where it's like, yeah, let's see if he'll quit right away, probably. Uh, and if he doesn't, then uh, let's let's see how good he can be. And uh, he really took the time to show me, you know, everything. I didn't know anything about AV. I know nothing about pulling wires or working in a home or what was expected, you know, for trying to complete a project. And uh, he walked me through every single step of that. And I worked for him for for probably a good five or six years um, before moving back to the Little Rock area just to be a little bit closer to my family down there. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I, when I moved back there, I actually left AV temporarily and went into production work. And so I, I traveled around and did concerts. Uh, and uh, when I met my wife, one of the very first concerts that we ever went to uh, was I was working at a Taylor Swift, Swift show. And uh, I brought her to go to the show with me and we went backstage and like met Taylor Swift and hung out with her mom and stuff and like ate pizza with the band. And it was like, you know, one of those like magical first dates that you could never, ever top again. If it's you all downhill to. from there. It's all downhill from there. So, but she stuck with me. So, you know, 15, uh, we married 15 years in November. Wait, 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 let me. So you took your now wife on a first date and on that first date, because you were working the crew, you were able to go backstage and eat pizza with Taylor Swift and her family? Yes. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was good. <laughs> Did she yeah. offer to marry you right there? Pretty much. I mean, it was it was pretty much one of those things where we knew we were meant to be together. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, a lot of fun over the years. Um, so our daughter, wow. Sophia, is uh, is very musical and stuff as well. So we're, we're, we're always been a very musical family. Do you play any instruments yourself? I don't. I've tried to play the guitar many times and I'm horrible at it. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I think I, uh, I haven't, uh, haven't ever committed hard enough to learn it and do it like I should. You see, uh, John just posted here. So I got to put that on the screen. Uh, John says on Facebook, a uh, little late, but I'm in love with this man forever and always. That's my bro. That's your bro. That's your yep. peeps. Uh, yeah, John's a good guy. We're going to tell some John stories. So John, stay tuned. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to tell some behind the scenes with John stories. Um, but we also going to say hello to Tomas. Uh, good morning, all saludos from Panama. Good to see you, Tomas. Thanks for joining us. And we also have, uh, Paula. She says, uh, such a proud mama go son, go. So we're giving your mom nice. some airtime here. Yeah. She's love she you, mom. Is, she is tuned in. All right. So we were talking and, and to honor your uncle, uh, what was his name again? And what was the name of his business? Uh, his name was Butch Coger and uh, his business was Custom Home and Commercial Electronics. Is Butch still with us? No, he sadly passed away about probably eight years ago, I think. Uh, but uh, he was a he was a really awesome, awesome guy and uh, just one of the probably the smartest people that I've ever met and know more about this stuff uh, than 
you know, almost anybody. It was one of those things, having somebody like that to learn from, like drinking from a fire hydrant uh, sometimes, oh, yeah. but uh, just really amazing the layers of stuff that he was able to, to impart. Was he working right up to the end? Was he running his business? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Him and his sister uh, were partners in the business. So she was an accountant and did all the accounting for him. And he ran all the project management stuff and the day to day stuff. And then just had like small crews of guys that he worked with all the way up until the end of, of his life. It just, Got it. But, yeah, he, he helped grow my love for AV. You know, he was one of those people that helped explain that it was a lot more than just, you know, plugging stuff up, you know, and you really had to get in there and be passionate about what you're doing. So you move back and you're doing, uh, you know, live tours and uh, if for nothing else so that you can take your girlfriend and now wife on an amazing behind the scenes. Then you you check out of that industry because you get married. No, I'm making this up. Yep. So what, what what happens next? That was pretty much it. Yeah, I, I got married and we had our daughter, Sophia, and I could not be on the road for eight to 10 days at a time you know, and, and gone, you know, more than half the year. So I uh, went back to AV and started a small company um, in the Arkansas area called Smart Southern Homes and worked there for just a little while until I saw this big box truck one day. And on the side of it, it had this pretty cool looking emblem and it said Hometronics. And uh, so I called the guy and uh, just check out what he had going on. And uh, his name was Wallace Hattenhauer, ended up being a uh, really good salesman and uh, just a total mess otherwise sometimes, but but a very nice guy. And, uh, you know, he, he ran the company for quite some time that I worked at and then uh, kind of moved on to, you know, one or two other places uh, and uh, kind of ended up meeting John at Cedia one year and uh, worked at Hometronics again. And so it was kind of a full circle back to Hometronics after it was bought by another owner. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, that was really, I think, a turning point for me in terms of my growth as, as a, you know, as a, an individual in AV really helped kind of show me what was out there in the world and, uh, you know, have a, have a lot more understanding of, of running the business on a day to day and what that took in order to, you know, really help the business succeed. And so me and John, you know, have worked countless hours uh doing that stuff and uh you know really one of one of my great friends so you were at hometronics you were not only doing local work in Fayetteville or or the other you know towns or cities there in Arkansas you were traveling around the country weren't you oh yeah me and John went uh, all over the country multiple times so we had uh, a really nice uh contract with altitude trampoline parks and we did probably 10 or 12 of those in a couple of years. And that was Florida, you know, all over Pennsylvania and New York, some really fun places to go. And so we go all over the country and just have a great time fooling around. And uh, tell, always... tell, tell me the, the Laguna or tell the audience the Laguna hotel story. Oh, Laguna. Yes. Laguna was probably one of the best times we had. We went down uh, for a planar certification. Uh, for the TVF walls and we're out there hanging out and we got in a little bit early. And so we're probably like 1030 in the morning. We're going to the hotel. We're like, we're going to see if they'll let us check in. And so we get there and uh, 
we're hanging out in the in the lobby and and nobody's there. And finally, this guy walks out on the front desk and he's like, "Oh yeah, we can we can get you checked in, but you know those rooms aren't quite available. Um, you know, well, would you mind waiting while we get you something fixed up?" And he's like, "Let me go make you a sangria." And we're like, "Yeah, 10 a.m. sangria, perfect." And so we get these white wine sangria with little pieces of pear and blueberries in it and stuff. It was the best sangria we'd ever had. And we're sitting there drinking and talking to this guy. And, uh, you know, we're getting our rooms checked in. And me and John are sitting there. And he's like, you know, well, there's two rooms. There's a suite and there's an ocean view room. And uh, John's like, you haven't been to California in a long time, Dustin. You should have the ocean view. And the guy's like, sir, that is so generous. And uh, we walk out and he's like, let me show you to your rooms. We walk by this one with a gate and uh, he's like, yeah, this is one of the blah, blah suites, you know, really beautiful. Well, let, let, let's go ahead and go in. And so we walk into the suite and there's a beautiful living room area that's, you know, gigantic. And you walk in and there's like a giant walk-in shower and a fantastic king size bed. And uh, he's telling us all about the hotel and the history. And, and then he hands John the key. And I'm thinking, wow, if this is the other room, the ocean view has got to be amazing. And right, so of course. We're walking up the stairs and the guy's just talking about the view and how gorgeous it is. And we get up there and he opens the door and it is like a sardine can. <laughs> and it's so small that I can literally, I have to turn like and hold my arms up to turn in the shower, like of the room. And every morning, for whatever reason, I still haven't figured out why. At four o'clock in the morning, somebody's alarm would go off in the room next to us and ring for about four hours. Uh. <laughs> Must have been a very heavy sleeper. And John, in the meantime, is down there in the lap of luxury with his living room suite, nicer than the room that I had. So I'll never let him live that down, ever. That's that's funny. Do, do good things just always happen to John? Is it is Is it infectious or are good things attracted to him? What's your, what's your read on that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't count the number of times we'll go into like a hotel or something and we'd be checking in and then the lady at the front desk would be like, you have beautiful eyes. And he'd be like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. There he is. I see him. I see him posting. He's like, uh, John says for our listening audience, he says always worked out for me everywhere we go. And uh, so if you're out there and you don't know Mr. John Campbell, you need to you need to meet Mr. John Campbell because he's he is uh, one of a kind uh, Bo show. So uh, what is a day or no? So let's bring it. I, I don't know that I, I brought it to the present. Um, I don't know that I uh, enabled you or allowed you to bring it to the present. So your story, you were at Hometronics and uh, and. What were you doing there and, and what happened after that? Yeah, so I started as the branch manager of the Little Rock Market. Um, and then probably about a year or so into that, um, ended up moving up to the Jonesboro area to be the general manager over the Fayetteville, Little Rock and Jonesboro branches. Uh, and so, you know, we would normal day to day as I would go in probably 530 in the morning and I would start doing all the warehouse work to pull all the stuff that the guys needed for the jobs, you know, all the miscellaneous parts and materials and stuff. And then I would help the guys, you know, get coordinated on their installations in the morning. I would go to probably 30 or 40 percent of the installations and actually assist with them on the more complicated installs. 
uh, for things that needed to be done. And especially when we were talking about traveling like long distances um, and then, you know, normal like approving of quotes and working with John to help kind of, you know, iron out larger proposals for huge commercial installations and things along those lines. Um, pretty much, you know, anything and everything that you can do in a given day. Interesting. And, and what happened next? Well, uh, we had a really bad tornado in March, uh, right in the middle of COVID. It did like a hundred million dollars worth of damage to Jonesboro, uh, like town of only 70,000. Uh, it was, a, it was an awful lot of damage. And so a lot of the businesses closed down and didn't reopen during that time because, you know, who would want to invest all that money during COVID, you know, when everything was going as crazy as it was. And my daughter and my, my wife were both working remotely. My wife actually, um, worked as my assistant in the Little Rock branch area and then became the head biller and scheduler for Hometronics for, uh, for a long time as well. And so, uh, we kind of, you know, both came together and, and worked at Hometronics and tried, you know, to see kind of where we could go with it and what we could do with it. But it got to a point with COVID and everything where we said might be an opportunity to move to Colorado, where we had dreamed of coming for, for many, many years. Mm. Growing up, my wife had vacationed in Dillon and Silverthorne every summer, uh, and it was magical for her. And so she always had this, you know, nostalgic dream of moving to Colorado. And, and uh, we found that we were able to make that happen. And our daughter was probably 13, you know, a couple of years from high school. And we said, if she gets into high school, we're not moving until she's probably out of college. And so we just made the the determination to look into Colorado. And uh, I had probably in 2018, we had came to, to Golden uh, for a vacation. We went to Red Rocks for a show there. And uh, I had actually stopped by Listen Up in Denver and just walked through it and was, was pretty blown away by what they were doing. And uh, so, you know, naturally, that was kind of one of the first people that I called. And uh, within just a few minutes, you know, of calling, um, had gotten a call back from one of the guys and that was the branch manager and he, you know, tried to get me to move out there. And, uh, so I think it was, a, it was a fantastic fit really for our family. Um, and, uh, I sure do miss, uh, working with John and stuff. That's, uh, he's one of a kind. No, he, he is. What, what is a day in the life? What is, what is a day in the life for you there in Colorado Springs as the GM? Like what, what is, what's a normal day look like? So I get up, you know, and start, pretty early, get in there before the guys get there and try to make sure that everything, you know, go over with the warehouse manager to make sure everything's pulled and prepped for the day. Um, it's really, you know, been a lot. I've, I've only been doing it now for here in, I've only been the manager now in Colorado Springs for probably four months. Okay. And so I've, I've, I started out of sales, moved into the management role and I've been kind of immersing myself in the process. Uh, so I've started to take kind of a top down look from, operations all the way through, you know, from when the guy greets the person when they come in the door or on the phone to the process of them becoming a lead and and kind of helping my sales staff, my junior sales guys kind of understand the process of sales and, and what it takes to properly design and implement a system. Uh, so we go through, you know, I meet with most of the guys on a daily basis to go over whatever projects they might have in their pipeline. Uh, go over quotes and then me and the project manager will discuss, you know, different, you know, uh, projects that are upcoming and just kind of trying to stay ahead of the game. 
And then of course I go out and do a fair amount of handholding and, you know, with the nicer clients, you know, and stuff as well, just trying to, you know, go through the projects, the larger projects as they're being completed and, you know, make sure everybody's happy and has been properly trained and, you know, all of that fun stuff. For those that may not be aware, Listen Up has locations in multiple cities. Do you mind running us through that? Yeah. So we have our main office and our first, our what we call store one, which is the Denver store uh, on Pearl Street uh, is our main location. And then we have Colorado Springs, Albuquerque and Boulder. And then we actually have multiple different uh, locations potentially for like our e-commerce stuff that we do through Amazon. Um, but we have, uh, you know, a large warehouse in the Denver area that is kind of a, the main hub of that operation. From your experience, both in sales and as GM, how is an operation that has both retail and custom and you have e-commerce, how is that different than your experience in a pure integration type operation? Well, it's a lot different dealing with the customers that come in on a day to day. And those customers have completely different expectations than contract sales customers. I mean, they are looking for a product that they can physically pick up and walk out the door. Um, and if they don't find what they want, you know, then then they'll go somewhere else. And so it's the challenge of understanding, you know, what products are going to be popular and what you need to stock and keep in the store for those people that physically need a product right that second. And then the, the thing that I'm finding probably the most fascinating about Listen Up right now is the concept that I had not been previously aware of of omni-channel operations. And so what they're describing there is a synchronization between every aspect of the business from website to retail to e-commerce all the way through giving a person the exact same experience from one end of the spectrum to the other so that they know that they've worked with Listen Up and that it's a quality interaction. Um, and so that's been kind of a, a kind of a something to wrap my mind around is not just taking into consideration the standard integration format that all of us are in AV are running, but also adding the storefront and then keeping in mind the integration between the web and the e-commerce all in sync together is really probably the coolest thing that I've been learning about from Listen Up. Without disclosing any corporate secret, certainly don't do that. But I'm super curious of how you're trained in that. Is there curriculum? Is there videos? Is it um, on-the-job training with senior leaders or coaches or mentors? Like, how is that transmitted? So a lot of it is, you know, like like you said, from the senior leadership, there is ongoing leadership meetings where we, you know, discuss and learn how we're going to train our our staff appropriately to execute these things. And uh, part of it is, you know, kind of an ongoing evolution of a process. Uh, so, you know, we have put a lot of people in place, uh, you know, in specific positions in order to capitalize and to help us transition to that omni-channel approach. Um, so we have like our, you know, David Huddleston, he's our e-commerce manager. He has been instrumental in helping design, you know, the website and, and keeping it coordinated to where you could potentially have web sales, you know, that are maybe coming in to the store to pick those up or we're delivering them, you know, but it's not necessarily a purchase to listen up per se. Maybe it's going through a conduit like Amazon 
where we're still getting an opportunity to, to, you know, to put a face to a name and to let somebody know that even though this is coming from Amazon and you're getting it prime or whatever that might be, there's a real person behind it that is trying to supply you with a product, um, you know, at a very high level of quality. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I'm curious, giving these, you know, these are stressful times. Uh, anyone that listens to the show know, knows that uh, most businesses around the country are dealing with varying levels of stress. Now, some of that stress is because there's so much work. It's like, how do we get it all done? And some of that work or some of that stress is caused by some other reasons. So I'm just, I'm first of all curious, high level, how's business in Colorado Springs? Like what, what's the market like right now? Uh, we have far more work than we can do. Uh, we are, one of the things in Colorado Springs that we do, that's a little bit different than what we would normally do and listen up in the other locations is we have really focused very, very heavily on the builder market. So we probably have north of 15 builders that we're working with on a regular basis for, you know, all of the projects that they have ongoing for just regular standard, you know, AV work. Plus with listen ups long history and people knowing, you know, that we're here and, and have been in the Springs for 25 years, you know, there's a lot of people that just come in the door on a day to day basis and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're finishing out a uh, basement and we want to put in a theater or a multi-purpose space. Um, you know, home networking and stuff has been huge. Uh, and, and, and trying to just help get people to understand, you know, that if you're going to stay in your house a lot more and you're going to use the services, you're going to have to have the infrastructure appropriate to do that. Makes sense. We have, we have a few more comments here. Uh, Taylor Campbell says, uh, if he can keep 1000 plants alive, he can keep his clients happy. No problem. Uh, and then, uh, uh, everybody loves recon says, thanks to Dustin. They're getting all my money. So I'm thinking maybe that's a listen up customer. <laughs> Absolutely. That's yeah. That's my friend, Jose. He's pretty awesome. So I, and, and met him, uh, through listen up and, uh, ended up going in and hanging out, uh, with him and his family and stuff. And his daughter is the same age as my daughter. They're going to the same high school. Uh, so it's, it's been, uh, it's been cool. He's a lot of fun. How are you guys handling supply chain issues? Is that, uh, have you guys found workarounds maybe because of your volume or what, what are you dealing with right now? It's really about looking at availability on a, on a larger scale and trying to figure out, you know, what items are getting pinched harder than others. I think the main things that everybody's seeing big, big problems with are Lutron and Crestron. Uh, the lead times on Lutron dimming modules right now is 24 to 32 weeks. Lead time on Crestron for just a TSR 310 is north of 39 weeks, maybe 40. Uh, and that's so, a handheld remote. That's the handheld touchscreen remote. And so it's been really just a situation where we've looked at those um, product lines and said, you know, well, what can we provide to the customer that is available? Uh, one of the things I think Control 4 and Snap AV have done remarkably well is uh, is navigate this chip shortage and be able to use multiple different sets of materials in order to still get the products out the door. Whereas companies like, you know, Crestron and Lutron that use a specific chip for a specific function um, have been, you know, most negatively impacted. Got it. How are you handling the hiring shortages or are you seeing hiring shortages? Yeah, it's, it's awful. 
Yeah, it's uh, finding qualified people is is nearly impossible. It's just looking for a needle in a stack of needles. Um, but uh, but you know, it, it's I think uh, it's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to hire guys and train them and understand that that's a two year, two and a half year process to have a competent, you know, functional technician. And, uh, you know, just understand that in the meantime, there'll be a lot more work to be done. Got it. It, What does it simply mean that you're booking further out in your pipeline? You know, you're booking projects months or quarters out, whereas maybe historically it wouldn't be that far out. Oh, we're definitely booking at least six to eight weeks out at a minimum. Uh, And then for service work, we're trying to fit it in, you know, faster than that, obviously, in the two to three week category. Uh, but uh, but it's an ongoing challenge and things are getting pushed out farther and farther. And then we added an extra component of, of difficulty uh, by starting an electrical department in the springs recently. And so uh, the, the president of our company, um, Ben Larkin, he uh, is uh, holds the electrical master license for our company. And so we tell, have an electrical division now. Tell everyone Ben's story. Ben, ben did not. You know, he, he's worked his way up. Yeah, technician to project manager. I mean, to, you know, really becoming uh, a partner for Walt and 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 having Walt pass on the mantle of the of the leadership of the company. And and Walt is a very um, he he's a very strong leader. He's a very, really smart guy. And he he speaks with wisdom and integrity. And for him to select someone uh, was not going to be just some task that he was going to to undertake and have it be, you know, something that wasn't completely supposed to be there. And Ben is just absolutely to the core uh, uh, and an exemplary representative of Listen Up. And he's super fantastic, really, really smart guy and has uh, just it's it's an incredible insight into all the different levels of what goes on with the business. And so when I have questions about, you know, maybe how to proceed on a process or whatever, he almost always has an answer right there ready for you. That's cool. How are you feeling the second half of 2022 is going to finish out for maybe the business at large and then your Colorado Springs location? Yeah, I think our location in particular, we're really poised to finish out the year very strongly um, because of all of the builder business that we have going on. We've got several large homes that are going to be finishing out in the September timeline for the parade. And so that's a big deal around uh, Colorado Springs every year is the parade of homes. And these larger, more bespoke custom builders that we're working with want a, you know, two to five million dollar model home that they will, you know, show off all of the things that they can do. And we've had been really lucky to partner with them in, uh, in a lot of ways to help showcase what we do and then also kind of help, uh, you know, explain automation and stuff to people who still maybe don't quite know what it is. I think that's, uh, that's, you know, one of the bigger challenges of, of what we're going to be doing in the next several years is just helping people with all of the, Google homes and, and these little do it yourself solutions, helping them understand, you know, why it's still important to have a fully integrated system. So there's uh, rumblings of a recession. Maybe we're in the recession. Maybe the recession is going to be forthcoming. Uh, do you have any feelings on whether that's going to potentially impact business as you look ahead, maybe beyond six months, but to the next say 24 months? Yeah, I think it's uh 
I think that having the rise of COVID and what we all saw record numbers year over year now for several years, I mean, it, it, I think it's not permanently sustainable. There's going to be some form of contraction. You know, they're not, it's not going to be gangbusters every year uh, from here on out. If it was, you know, then that's fantastic. But I don't think that's something that we can expect. I think that people, you know, need to, to be prepared for the supply chain crunch. And then also, you know, the downturn from people being able to be more free and getting out again. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're just going to have to kind of ride that wave like everybody else. I think that we've, uh, we've been smart as a company about managing, you know, what we're doing and, and keeping ourselves economically poised well to, uh, to, you know, continue no matter if there's a downturn or not. So when I think of Colorado, and I, I've spent a little bit of time in Colorado Springs, and uh, it's, you know, you think of nature, you, you want to spend as much time outside as possible. Or in your case, you brought outside inside because you have your jungle behind you. What, what types of solutions, I'm thinking from an integration standpoint, sometimes there's regional trends. You know, if you're, for example, here in South Florida, people, at least in the winter, are spending time out outside on their patios by the pool. And so music systems and sound systems and TVs are popular outside. What are trends, if any, that you're seeing in your marketplace? Like what are the types of solutions that are really in demand right now? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest one we're seeing is people are still uncertain about what will happen in terms of COVID. And so they are you know, building more infrastructure into the homes. And even when we're bringing in, you know, the outdoors as a solution and helping, you know, landscape audio systems, you know, outdoor televisions, you know, all sorts of, you know, outdoor lighting. So we're doing, you know, coastal source, outdoor lighting, outdoor audio, um, bringing those solutions together and then keeping them all automated under the same platform uh, is, is hugely popular right now. And then the home theater uh, bubble has just been incredible. We have seen more home theaters. I've, I've probably seen more home theaters done in the last two years here than I have probably in the last 10 years in Arkansas. I mean, it's just a gigantic upswing. Are there basements in Colorado or where are Everybody, people putting these theaters? Everybody has a basement and that's all pretty much all where they're going. That's interesting. When you get the project, are you getting in at the new construction? So you just, you have plans and you get to design it out of with the gate the right builders. way? Yeah. With most of our builders, we're getting in on that phase with people that are coming in the store. Typically they've already been in contact with a general contractor and might have like plans for framing already drawn up. And then we would come in and help them, you know, design the theater. Most of the time it's, it's, I say theater, it's probably a 50, 50 split between actual real home theaters, dedicated movie room spaces, and what we would call a multi-purpose room. Or maybe you've got, you know, a large TV, uh, you know, maybe like a hundred inch TV in there instead. Uh, and that way you can keep the lights on. You got a pool table in the back, you, you know, you're hanging out and it's zoned audio throughout that space so that you can then, you know, turn it up in different places as you need to. And then kind of keeping all that in one kind of integrated room. Speaking of movies, have you gone out and seen Top Gun Maverick? I am going to see it this weekend for sure. It looks amazing. But yeah, I took my family this past weekend. It's 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 good old uh, old school summer blockbuster fun, and it's not a Marvel movie, which is fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, it's <laughs> not, not to get any Marvel uh, 
fans out there, I don't want to offend, but my God, just bring us a good summer movie that isn't a Marvel movie. And uh, and Top Gun is it. It was it was fun. Well, you see Tom Cruise. I mean, at sixty years old, he looks magnificent. It's you know, it is ridiculous. I'm not gonna lie. My wife and I were talking. The man is there. There's like a scene where he's out playing touch football on the beach, and he's like out there, you know, supposedly tackling and getting tackled with a bunch of, you know, early twenty something men and women that are you know in the peak fitness of their lives. And he held his own. He looked, he, the man was fit. It was, it was impressive. Well, and he does, he does a lot of his own stunts too, which makes him like, you know, that's pretty ballsy. If you're going to get out there and, you know, jump off of a, of a building or something like that. I mean, you're, you're doing it up. Well, and so most of the scenes where he's in the cockpit and the, even the, the talent in the movie, a lot of those scenes are real. They're, they're, they, that people are in planes and they're going through these high, maybe they aren't pulling 10 G's like in the movie, but they're pulling high G maneuvers and you see the skin on their face getting pulled back and the struggle to breathe. And, uh, it, it was intense. It was good. It was, it was a movie I'd watch again. It was, and for us old farts that know the original movie, like my son's never seen the original, so he didn't have any of the nostalgia for the scenes, you know, that are making references to the original. But if you're into the original, and I probably watched the original 20 times, then there's just so many points where I'm not going to lie. You're going to tear up. It's, it's good stuff. Nice. Yeah. I love, uh, I love movies. That's one of the things I do a lot is I have, you know, hundreds of movies and, uh, just kind of roll through watching even some that I really, really enjoy, you know, I've watched probably a hundred times. All right, what are five go-to movies? This is going to make it into our comments list. We're going to put this in the the feed uh, on social media. We're just like, what are, give me random, zero pressure. I'm not even going to say your best or your favorite, but what are five movies that if you're going to go and turn a movie on on a Saturday evening and enjoy time with the family, what what are those going to be? Uh, let's see. I love Step Brothers. Pretty amazing. Um, pretty much anything, mostly with Will Ferrell. He's awesome. Uh, I love uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I have probably 25 different Star Wars t-shirts that I wear on an ongoing basis. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of other ones. I would say I'm, uh, if I'm watching it with my wife, huge Titanic fan, uh, you know. Yep. I remember Titanic when it came out. I think I watched it like three times in a row at the theater. It was amazing. Oh, it's fantastic movie. Uh, and then, you know, if you, if you want to get, uh, something a little bit scarier, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, the original it movie it was awesome. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I personally stay away from all horror, but I, mm. I, I've heard good things about it. If you're into, you know, getting the shit scared out of yourself, <laughs> which is usually not my cup of tea. I see, uh, everybody loves recon, uh, posted here, little shop of horrors, obviously. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I've got one of those in the other room, but, uh, yeah. And Sean from audio quest, he goes, I heard, I hear star Wars. I, I totally heard star Wars too, Sean. I am, uh, my son is going to love that. When then, when you said Lord of the Rings, I was like, my threat to my family is that if there's ever a dull moment or a moment where I'm looking to fill it, it's either the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings. They're going on. And, uh, I to- I could sit there all day or all weekend and watch those movies again and again and again. I love fantasy. Oh yeah. Uh, 
but it is not for everyone. Everyone does not love fantasy. Yeah, I've read all of those books probably five times. Um, so it's my favorite series of books and movies like of all time. All right, you're, I'm being asked to ask you if you've ever seen King of the Hill. Absolutely. It's my favorite show. My, my all-time favorite shows. My, uh, my, my, real, my real dad uh, uh, actually sells like propane accessories. And so it's like a really close to home thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And then uh, Sean uh, Post Series says, uh, listen up. Number one, listen up store now in my books. Awesome. I think, what are you saying there, Sean? Sean, number one, listen up store now in my books. Sean, you have to clarify. I'm not, I, I, I got to remember, man, I'm post-COVID here. I'm not totally clear and coherent. So you gotta you gotta tell me exactly what that means. Um, oh, it's a, the Lord of the Rings. Sean's giving me a, a all right. I'm, I promise I'm gonna get back to questions, but man, bringing the the movie topic up, the channel blew up. Flight of the Navigator. Thank you, Paula. Uh, was his favorite when he was little. It Flight was. of the Navigator. Is that the one? Flight of the Navigator. That's where Pee Wee Herman plays the robot voice for the uh, spaceship. And the guy, you know, uh, the kid gets uh, taken by the spaceship and they go like across the country and back in time to get him back to his family. Is that the one where he gets out of the ship and he goes pee and then the yep. robot asks him if he's leaking? Exactly. Yeah, I totally know that movie. I bet you I watched it 20 times as a kid. Oh, it's a great movie. That's awesome. All right, but he says, "I oh, he says, I mean, I like him the best of all locations because you love Star Wars. Mm. So uh, Sean is a big Star Wars uh, buff or fan, if you didn't know that. And I think there was just Star Wars national event or trade show recently. And I saw Sean on social media at that event in full regalia, Stormtrooper regalia, and uh, hanging out with all his other Stormtroopers. So that's... Nice. Mr. Sean. Uh, so question in terms of rooms, I, I I'm curious, I've seen a trend where the home office, and this is really over COVID the last two years, the home office became a thing again. Builders were specifying it on their plans. Integrators were being asked to put in infrastructure or technology solutions. Did you see that? And are you still seeing that? Oh, we're definitely still seeing it. I mean, people are going more back to the office, but uh, but they're still keeping a home office. And most of the time now you're getting, you know, pretty robust home network going along with that. Um, pretty much the foundation of everything that we sell builds off of the home network. And then we go from there, because if we can get that right out of the gate, everything else is going to be much, much simpler and much less problems down the road. Sure. Pre-COVID retail, we'll speak, we'll keep the channel clean in case there's customers watching. So we'll talk retail installed. What would pre-COVID, what would a network go for in a home and what's post-COVID and people really, I'm theorizing, appreciating the value and importance of a, a robust network? Yeah, what I mean, a lot of times it's the difference of just the access points in the routers themselves. Um, so you go from, you know, instead of a $420 access point, you might go with a $1,250 access point because maybe you've got gigabit 
into the home and you want to make sure that, you know, you've got Wi-Fi 6 capable and everything end to end is going to be gigabit throughput. Um, and so you might even run, you know, like a Cat 6A or a Cat 6AS, you know, get some shielding, you know, on the cabling. And just so taking, you know, the standard of what you would do and then just raising that a couple of, of levels uh, really in just in terms of product. What in terms of dollars or the spend by a consumer, what would they spend before COVID and what would they spend today? That'd probably be a couple thousand dollars before COVID. And now, you know, we regularly do networks from $4,500 to $7,500, um, you know, for, for somewhat larger homes. Got it. Uh, I, I, for our listeners, they know this. I've bragged on multiple times, multiple occasions, but I got really randomly lucky. I moved into this house in September of 19. And the first thing I did was for the first time I spent real money and I got a, a real network. So I've got up in my closet up here, middle Atlantic rack, all my Cisco gear, you know, uh, Oh gosh, what's the, uh, ruckus, uh, access points mm -hmm. inside and out. And, uh, my friends over at advanced home theater or AHT down in Miami helped me out. And, when COVID hit, that obviously the demands on our home network were the highest. You know, I'm here video streaming all day long with with my customers and people in the industry. And my son was video streaming. And, you know, we might be listening to music and so stream, you know, so all the demands on our network. And I might add, we have a uh, a fiber, ATT fiber connection, one gig connection to the house. And so we all cruised and never uh, never missed a beat. I mean, it was awesome and there's no other way to fly. And I imagine that the, the, your customers and the customers of our integrators today see the value of a network and they're ready to spend money for good gear and reliability. I mean, Absolutely. do you see that reverting back? I don't think so. I think that, uh, people are gonna, you know, I mean, maybe here in five years or so, six years, people are going to be so used to having that level of connectivity. It'll be like you couldn't imagine not having it. And so I think it'll be one of those things kind of like with each advent that has been better in Internet and gotten significantly better and better and better. People get to a point where they can't imagine what it was like without that stuff. And I think that's a real benefit to us as integrators. Um, the more comfortable people become with this stuff, the more time they spend with the technology. Uh, the more money they're going to find to be reasonable uh, in search of, you know, creating a system that works for their family. We have uh, Cedia coming up in September. Are you going? Is your, your team going? Is Listen Up going? How are you guys thinking about the show? So I know I was on the books to go last year, but then we decided at the end that we weren't going to go because it was just a little too crazy. Uh, so I'm sure we probably will show up in some force this year. And uh, I know there's probably some, I know some of our commercial teams heading down to Infocom. Uh, so I know you mentioned having a booth down there. Congrats on that. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We're, we're picking up more and more commercial clients. And there's, uh, I think, a lot of opportunity to help a lot of people. So oh, you're cool. To uh, the partnerships you've been, you know, announcing lately with Josh AI and Autonomic and stuff. I mean, those are, that's some really cool stuff. So really su super glad to see that for you. That's awesome. I appreciate that. I think that there's an opportunity uh, where manufacturers want to drive their agenda. They want to get their message out there into the wild. 
And integrators are often doing volumes of businesses with manufacturers and earning some level of MDF funding or rebates or, you know, I'll just call it a, a bucket of marketing dollars. And the, the integrator has the website with the traffic and the social channels and the email lists. And so we've been inventing programs that are kind of acting as the middleman connecting all the dots, connecting the vendors with the dealers through the channel. So the dealers are getting the leads and all of that information is protected and not shared with the vendor, but the vendor gets their voice heard. They get their story out there on the street. And uh, it's being received very well. We've got exciting programs with Sony and you mentioned Josh. And, and at the beginning of the year, the, you know, a big one was we were formally announced in partnership with Lutron MDF. So dealers can, can spend their marketing dollars with one Firefly and, uh, and most services are pre-approved. Uh, so yeah, man, it's just part of pushing, pushing the ball forward. Sometimes you're pu- it feels like you're pushing it uphill and uh, sometimes it rolls backwards, but you just got to keep pushing. And that's, that's, that's what we're doing. So question for you, Dustin, what technologies have you excited? What are the trends? What's, what's out there on the cutting edge, either for the industry or for you that you're excited about? Well, you know, it's funny. If you'd asked me that a couple of years ago, I might have said something different. But lately, uh, I have been just really impressed with the push forward in shading and window treatment solutions. Uh, it's one of the things that, that we're really trying to focus on in terms of learning and growth for sales uh, potential. Because, you know, it's, it's something that traditionally, I think, for a long time, integrators had ignored. Um, and, uh, you know, now are coming around to embrace it full circle that, and probably lighting is probably the two things that I think I'm the most excited about right now. So, you know, I'd mentioned briefly that we opened an electrical department for listen up doing line voltage work and stuff. And so we're actually getting to do outlet upgrades and switch upgrades and fixture upgrades for people and helping them understand, you know, digitally addressable lighting like Ketra and Mm. starting to kind of understand how, you know, changing that lighting during the day and stuff might be appropriate for, you know, a good solution for what they're looking to do and helping them to understand, you know, all of the different types of warm dimming and other features of these lighting fixtures uh, that otherwise people would probably just have a a $25 Juno six inch can in the ceiling. What I want to know is would your plants be happier if they had Ketra lighting? My plants would be much happier with Ketra lighting. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things that, uh, that you never know might be, might be in the books in the house here in, in the near future. I, I hear them whispering to me out there through the, through the universe. They're saying, bring me better lighting. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, so in terms of Ketra, are you finding that there's demand at the consumer level, at the designer level, at the architect level, or are you feeling that you're raising it in the conversation as a solution to some problem you've heard the customer exhibit. How is that transacting right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's more on the designer level than it is on the customer level. Uh, the customers are excited about it and there's a lack of knowledge, I think, in terms of why um, circadian rhythm lighting or color tunable lighting might be appropriate for a specific situation. Um, but designers really you know, understand the value of lighting and, uh, you know, and, and doing it in layers. I mean, that's one of the things that people don't necessarily think about, you know, you go into a lot of bedrooms and there's 
for, you know, a fan and four cans and that's it. And the light, you know, is not really evenly distributed in the room. There's no, there's no lighting down low or, in, you know, eye level lighting to help, you know, the light transition through the space as it should normally through the day. And a lot of those things, once you put them in, can be heavily automated. So the client has very little interaction. I think one of the things that is interesting to me about home automation is, I mean, the, the entire idea behind automation is, is control. And, and ideally, uh, in, a, in a perfect world, in order to be really automated, there's no human interaction whatsoever. Um, you know, we, we think about home automation in a little bit of a different term where we think about it, we'll pull out our phone and I can manipulate everything on my phone, you know, and, and control my home. But, but the reality is what we really want to push towards is a situation where the human has to have very little interaction with the system whatsoever and that the system understands what the person needs and the times of days that they would need those things. And we would help bring that to bear for them. I agree. And I think on that note, Dustin, we're going to wrap. We're right at the hour for those that have uh, enjoyed uh, listening to you and your thoughts, opinions, and ideas. How can they get in touch with you? What, what are the best recommendations on how to do that? Uh, they're welcome to email me, call me anytime. Uh, my email is uh, dkerns at listenup.com. And uh, phone number is 501-766-1898. And and I would love to to contact anyone. Be very, very glad to to learn and grow more with anyone in the industry. And then also uh, reach out to me on my LinkedIn um, or Facebook page uh, on, uh, you know, anytime you can post that on the the feed or whatever and uh, be glad to talk. Yeah, we'll we'll drop those handles into the, the chat stream are into the comment stream on social media as well as our landing page. Dustin, uh, thank you, sir. Thanks for joining me here on show 214 of Automation Unplugged. That was a real honor to be on. Thanks so much, Ron. Awesome. Thanks, Dustin. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Automation Unplugged. For a full transcript of this show and all previous shows, head over to our website at onefirefly.com forward slash AU. There you'll find links to all transcripts, show notes, Facebook Live recordings, and resources mentioned during the show. If you enjoyed this episode and like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please follow us on social media. We are at One Firefly LLC on all platforms. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Automation Unplugged as we dive deeper into technology trends and the fascinating people that make up the custom integration industry. Bye for now.